Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley, the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the DS Radio Network. Good evening. I'm Marcia Joyner, and this is Betrayed by Hospice, brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblowers Life and Shenanigans in Pennsylvania. The recording you just heard is in memory of Marty Oakley, who is the backbone of these programs where we talk about topics to bring awareness to the public about the atrocities happening to the elderly and disabled that you might not otherwise hear about. As many of you know, Marty passed on April the 1st and left a void in this program and in our hearts. She was an amazing advocate and warrior who always took a stand for people and gave them a voice, even when others criticized her and screamed conspiracy. Today, I believe Marty is an angel looking over the rest of us, cheering us on to keep telling the truth and standing up for the vulnerable. She never gave up until she took her last breath. Rest in peace, Marty. We have the watch. Tonight, my guest is Bobby Schindler. I'm sure most of you may already be familiar with his name because his sister, Terry Schiavo, was in the news in the late 90s through 2005. People took strong stands on both sides after Terry collapsed in her home in 1990 and was considered brain dead when her husband wanted to remove her feeding tube. Terry's family fought against this decision, and the courts ultimately went against them and made the decision, and Terry passed. Her brother, Bobby Schindler, was determined to make a difference in advocating for those who cannot speak for themselves. Bobby is the president of Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network, senior fellow at Americans United for Life, and associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozer Institute. Bobby advocates for the medically vulnerable in honor of his sister, Terry. Bobby is a public speaker as well as being an author who continues to fight for the right to life. His most recent article was posted yesterday in LifeNews.com. Bobby, I'd like to thank you for coming on the program tonight and give you the opportunity to tell our audience about Terry's journey and your subsequent journeys in your advocation. I'm sorry. Can okay. You Bobby, you're live. Okay. Hi. Yeah, thanks, Marsha. It's great to be here with you, and thank you for the invitation. Um, just, just one small correction in your introduction. Um, sure. Terry was never considered uh, or diagnosed as being brain dead, uh, even though that's a controversial uh, topic, uh, one that I don't know that I support anyway. But nonetheless, uh, Terry had a a, a severe brain injury, and there was all types of diagnoses kind of flying around, uh, none of them being brain dead. So I just want to make that correction real quick, and we can talk about uh, brain injuries. Sure, my apology on that. That's okay. No, that's, that's no problem. Um, just wanted to make that correction um, because because it's it's it's, it's all, as the media has continued as they did back during Terry's situation and case, and even today they continue to misreport so much of her condition and the case in general. So it's frustrating having to always combat and 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 correct the things that they continue to report that are inaccurate about Terry's uh, condition and situation. So. Um, it seems like it's a futile task, quite honestly. Uh, we, we know how the media can be. Well, this is your opportunity. I mean, you can clear up any misconceptions that you would like to um, about what happened to your sister and why it was sure. so important for you to continue advocating for the vulnerable people. Sure. Well, I'll just I'll just talk about kind of what what got us here today, uh, I think it is important to, just to mention that the reason that we're still talking about Terry's case is because it wasn't isolated. And what happened to her continues to happen every day in our healthcare system. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is simply is that food and water is a form of, uh, ba- is it, uh, food and water being delivered to a feeding tube, a form of basic care, is being either denied or withdrawn from our medically vulnerable loved ones every single day in our healthcare system. And um, it's illegal in all 50 states. And uh, every single day, we, we have uh, human beings being starved and dehydrated, death, just like Terry uh, was. So it, it, didn't, it didn't go away when Terry died. It's, it's worsened, actually, and uh, that's why we're doing what we're doing, because uh, generally speaking, families want to continue care 
for the loved ones that do have brain injuries or other types of medically vulnerable positions or situations, whether they're elderly, have Alzheimer's, whatever it might be, uh, they still want to care for the loved ones. But unfortunately, we have a, uh, a health care system that has adopted many, uh, um, a utilitarian, a utilitarian uh, sometimes, sometimes pronouncing that, type of mindset. And, and now they're making decisions based on the patient's utility rather than uh, their dignity. And, and, you know, we can talk more about that. But this, just real quick, Tubby was 26 years old back in 1990. She was home alone with her husband, Michael, and uh, she had an accident. We still don't know what caused the accident. There's never a determination what caused her to have that accident. But nonetheless, she went several minutes without oxygen to the brain, and she sustained a pretty serious brain injury. And it was really from that point on that our lives changed. And, uh, um, you know, when, she, when Terry needed 24 hours, seven days a week care, she was not, as I mentioned, she was not brain dead. Uh, there was no machine, so to speak, keeping her alive. Uh, shortly after her uh, accident, um, she was basically being sustained, as I kind of mentioned, by food and water through a feeding tube. She had difficulty swallowing because of her brain injury and needed a feeding tube. To, to give her her food and water, but that was the only thing keeping her alive, Marsha. And, and, and again, uh, I, much of the public uh, doesn't understand or realize that. They think that Terry was on all types of life support, so to speak, and it just truly wasn't wasn't the case. Uh, our family used to mm-hmm. take her back when Michael and my family were working together to get Terry proper care. Uh, we we would take her, my family, my mom and dad, and, and Michael would take her to the mall. They would take her places with them. All she needed was a wheelchair. And she could be taken any and be taken anywhere. Um, she was just a, a a woman who had a had a disability. She had a brain injury, and she needed care because she wasn't able to take care of herself, and she wasn't able to feed herself. But everything changed about two years after Terry's accident. And incidentally, Terry was getting aggressive rehabilitation back in the beginning, within those first two years of her accident, and she was starting to improve. She was actually starting to speak, and and that's in her medical records. That's that's just not me saying that. Uh, that could right. be verified. Um, so, and again, that, that's things that the media rarely, if ever, report it. People don't know that she was speaking at one time, that she was improving, uh, but that was the case. And we were very hopeful back then. I mean, we, we we didn't know how much progress Terry would make. We didn't know if she would ever, um, you know, fully recover from a brain injury, but it didn't matter to our family. We loved her the way she was. She was alive. She was making progress, and we wanted to continue to treat her and, and give her the help she needed. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, about two years after her accident, uh, Michael had a change of heart. He was the guardian of Terry, so he had full control over her care, over her medical decisions, and he decided he was going to pursue her her death. And this started around 1993. He started living with another woman. There was a significant amount of money that he would have inherited upon Terry's death, and, and he went on this... Uh, he was hell-bent on killing her. And it, it took him a while. It took him over 10 years, but he was eventually successful after he petitioned the court uh, to have her feeding tube removed. And that's when it kind of made, started gaining a lot of attention and it kind of snowballed into a global uh, case, uh, you know, the international publicity it was receiving. And, you know, our family was fighting as hard as we could to stop Michael from, from removing Terry's feeding tube, but we were unsuccessful. And on March 18, 2005, Terry's feeding tube was removed, and it took about two weeks before she uh, died by a very severe case of dehydration. And our family had to watch it uh, happen for two weeks, and it was barbaric. It, don't believe what you hear. Uh, the, the, these pro-death enthusiasts say that that's a peaceful and painless way to die. That's a lie. It's, they have to tell you that because if they told you the truth, uh, it would sicken you to, to have to watch a human being die this way. It's everything... You can imagine it would be uh, watching a human being starved to death. In fact, if we do it to animals, we go to jail. It's a felony crime. But yet we, every single day, every single day, Marsha, this happens to our vulnerable medical uh, week. And, uh, and nothing's really, essentially nothing's being done to stop it. Well, I think it's progressing. I mean, like you said, we're having more and more of that. And, you know, they're saying now that food and water is medical. You know, that's giving – no, it isn't. That is just sustaining somebody's life. And if they're not able to get it to themselves, you know, you don't put a glass of water by somebody who doesn't have an arm 
you know, they have a broken arm and they're in the hospital and they can't reach it, you bring it to them. And that's basically what you were doing with Terry is you were bringing what she needed, food and water, to her, and it was in a different way. But I've seen pictures of Terry where she's smiling, and I believe it's your mother. And well, yeah, you see, right? You see people, you know, all the time that are in wheelchairs and you know being with their family, and maybe they're not going to get up and run around, and they're not going to have a normal life, but they are alive and they are functioning in their own way. And your parents wanted to continue. Now, was she she was living in a home, not a facility? Is that right, or am I wrong well, in that? I, I, at times she was at home, but but for the most part she was at a uh, she was um, at different nursing homes. And, and again, Michael had full control uh, over okay. where she was, going, you know, where she would be essentially. But but we we have you know we're 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 facing a, um, an issue of um, and historically it's always been the case, Marcia, uh, where people with disabilities are really discriminated against. And um, I mean we we. We look at someone. We, we we're being desensitized and indoctrinated to looking at suffering as being a bad thing. We see someone with a severe disability, and we feel bad, and we think it's in their best interest to to put them out of their so-called misery or put them out of our misery. And there's too many people in, in our country today, and really, you know, globally, that justify and rationalize the killing of of people with disabilities uh, because. They think it's it's a a uh, merciful thing, so to speak, to do. I mean, look at look for example, look look what's happening to Down syndrome babies before they're even born. What, what where is it in Iceland? I think in upwards of ninety something percent are being aborted, and even here in America, the percentages are are significantly high of Down syndrome uh, babies before they're even born are being killed. I think that speaks to directly speaks to this prejudice we have against wanting to care for people with disabilities. So it make, we've made right. it way too easy to kill them, and that's what we saw in Terry's case. And and I think that's why we don't see much of a pushback today. Uh, there's This is happening. The, the laws and our, our state laws, our legislation, our policies, and our hospitals, that they're all working to remove safety nets to protect these individuals. And... It's it, depending what state you live in. It's and and, and, I, and I speak in general terms, but it's 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 relatively easy to kill someone with a severe disability, or depending on their medical prognosis or their, or how they are, what medical situation um, they might be confronting. We have the means and the way to, to kill these, these individuals. Well, and it's the same thing that's happening now with the elderly. And they mm-hmm. are doing the exact same thing with starving and dehydrating. And you're right, that is not a pleasant way to die. That is not pleasant. Well, and people that, that tell you that, that's, that's not true. Yeah, one of the major changes that occurred uh, that really kind of flew under the radar that nobody knew about or really fought to stop from happening, and you mentioned it, uh, feeding tubes were once considered basic and ordinary care, and today they're considered medical treatment. That mm-hmm. one change, that, that one redefinition of feeding tubes has really opened up Pandora's box to placing so many people at risk of, of being killed, and, and, and they are being killed. Um, and and I, I, I kind of compare it to the Roe versus Wade of euthanasia as far in the context of changing a law that, that's exposed so many people to being killed, and that's what's happening to so many who are medically vulnerable because feeding tubes have been reclassified in this way. But, but and, and it's happening Marcia, to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, incidentally, just just one kind of side note: the Catholic Church, the Catholic teaching, still recognizes food and hydration, food and water through a feeding tube as ordinary and basic care. They they do not uh, follow or obey, uh, I guess, the secular definition or the definition that the that the policies of the hospitals see feeding tubes as medical treatment. And and as the, and because of that. It's illicit. I mean, it it, it 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 goes against the teachings of the church if if we remove feeding tubes to impose death on an individual. Right, because we're taking away their possibility of life. But well, yeah, it's basic it care. It is I mean, right. I mean, they're going to die. 
Right. And you know I mean, yourself, if, you, if you're dehydrated in the middle of the night because you didn't drink enough water, how you have cramps, imagine a person who is not given any water that they have cramps and maybe they can't tell you, but they, they feel it. And that's cruel. So mm-hmm. you're, um, what you're doing now with the Cherry Shiva Life and Hope Network, um, you actually are helping people. Right. Well, we so during the time we're, we're advocating or trying to help Terry or save her from from being killed, uh, we 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 were um, building a lot of resources and and making uh, and, and and we we began a lot of relationships with other groups. And so when Terry died, um, we didn't want to stop because we we saw and recognized, as I said earlier, that, that Terry wasn't the only one that was subjected to what was happening in our healthcare and, and just happening in general. So we wanted to continue to use the resources that we, we had, we had at the time and we still, you know, and we want to use them to help other families. And that's what we did. We started a nonprofit. Uh, I don't even think we had time to mourn our family. We, we kind of jumped right into it and started advocating for the families. And, and I, I, I think we're a little surprised that we, we started receiving calls. As soon as people knew we started, we started this work, we started receiving calls right away of families that were in crisis that needed help from either a denial or withdrawal of care. And, and the calls have never stopped uh, since that time. And it's just one part of what we do. It's, it's the most significant part of what we do, but we also try and do other things to kind of wake up our culture to, to know what's happening and if we don't do something to protect these people it's going to worsen i think you said that earlier it is uh, it is worsening we're seeing it everywhere i think covid uh shine a light on what the, some of the problems in our healthcare system today uh although it seems like nothing's being done since covid to, to change any of these things that were happening all these abuses that were abuses that were happening but nevertheless they are and if if, if, if people it's one of those things marcia it's like Nobody really seems to be paying attention until it happens to them. And then when it happens to them, oftentimes it's much too late. They don't know what they can do to stop it. And oftentimes they can't stop it because everything's been changed to to put the power now, the decision-making power in the hands of strangers, ethics committees, physicians, insurance companies, all the ones that they all have the power now to either stop or continue treatment. And families are are left uh, looking to find ways to stop it, and, and it's just becoming more and more difficult. Well, and sometimes you don't even know it's happening uh-huh. until it's too late. You know, all of a sudden you come in and your loved one is, you know, not eating and drinking, and you're like, well, what happened? Oh, well, it's a dying process. No, it's because you put them into a coma, and now they're not eating and drinking, or you've stopped their medication, and they are dying now because you did that to them. And families don't know. And then and then you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to get your loved one out of that situation. And it, exactly it's happening right. everywhere. I mean, hospice, hospitals, it, nursing homes, it is happening everywhere. Right. It, it, it's all we've just, we're devaluing life. I mean, we, we, we value money, uh, cost containment. It's, it's all the things that, that are that are really anti-Christian that are, that are decisions that man is deciding how to treat life rather than following, uh, you know, following, I, I try to follow biblical principles and and how we treat each other and and how we're to value life and see the dignity, the human dignity in a person and and want to care for them and, and offer them compassion, not simply look at them as a problem and, don't want to care for them because of the, the help that they need, and therefore we we justify and use ways to 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 to, to kill them. I mean, another way to say it, and um, it's wrong. It's it's killing, and um, uh, and it's happening way too much. It's stealth. It's right in front of us. And yes. and as you say, it a lot of times it's because that person is inconvenient for me. Or that person is taking money, time, effort, and the government doesn't mind the fact that today we eliminate them because then they don't have to pay for their health care. They don't have to pay Medicare and Medicaid, so it's saving them money. 
it's not that they don't mind it. They're they're pushing it. <laughs> they're behind it. True. I mean, they're make they're making it uh, so we can we can do this. Um, right. I mean, they're, they're, as I said, they're they're putting the power, decision making power, in, in the hands of uh, others. I mean, non family members. And uh, there, there's so many different ways that you can stop treatment. It's just not feeding tubes anymore. I mean, you can use a medical diagnosis for brain injuries to stop treatment. You can use a DNR, a do not resuscitate to stop treatment. You can terminal sedate somebody and nobody will even know the better that, that you've used medicine to overdose someone to death. I mean, just go down. I mean, there's these pulsed and most forms. There's these forms that they get you to sign that are so subjective in, in, in their, their medical language uh, that, again, they, they put the decision-making power into the hands of, of the doctors rather than you and your family members. So, I mean, just go down the list of, of things. that the, the brain death diagnosis, they use brain death, which is a manufactured, uh, I believe, a manufactured diagnosis in order to, to, to get at people's organs. And, uh, right, exactly. I mean, there's so, so many things happening in our medical system today that, that again, that puts us in a very vulnerable situation. And, again, you know, what are families going to do to stop it? And we, we, we've been successful. I mean, the, the best way we've learned or we've, we've found that that helps these families is, unfortunately, we, and, and not all the time, but most of the time, we, we have to find them an attorney quickly, and we do. And we've been pretty successful finding, finding families' attorney. And, and once they have an attorney get involved or intervene, they, they can many times um, at least eliminate the threat if not permanently, at least temporarily. And, uh, and there's other ways, too, we can, we can stop it. But families don't know that they can question doctors. Families don't know that they can call, uh, and call for help. They, they, their impulse is to believe doctors. And, um, you know, they're not going to question or push back or ask for second opinions. They don't know what they don't know, and they have rights. And they can do a lot of things to stop these decisions from think they're being rushed or made too soon. But... If they don't know what, what to do, then, then their loved one's going to be in, in, in jeopardy of having their treatment stop. Well, don't you think it's because we've been trained to believe the man in the white suit? I mean, they're, they're your doctors, and we've been trained to think that they have all the answers and that they are doing what is in your best interest and that when they signed a HIPAA oath that they meant it. And we can't do that anymore. We can't trust our life and our loved one's life to somebody else, which is, and I know that on your website you, were, you had talked about this, about durable power of attorneys and living wills and the fact that you need to have something in writing that says who you want to be in charge of you if you cannot speak. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Right, that that is that is the best. That as far as we, I mean, if you were if you were to ask me, I, I think that's the best way you can protect yourself is is to appoint someone your healthcare agent. You get a, a, a durable power of a, a healthcare durable power of attorney. You you appoint someone your healthcare agent. If you ever do become incapacitated, they're going to step in and speak for you. I would not, I would not fill out an advanced directive. Uh, that that again, I, I think you're just. They're dangerous because the language a lot of them contain are subjective. Uh, the best thing for you to do is don't put anything in writing. Just make sure the person that you uh, decide is going to be your healthcare agent understands your medical wishes, your values, your principles. You're all aligned, and um, and then they can step in and speak for you. They got to be a heroic and, and strong advocate, though, if they're ever in that situation. Hey, look, one, one thing I want to do say, Marsha, and, and, and that's very important. I don't want to gloss over the fact, but I think that if, if anything, it's probably the most important thing we can talk about tonight is making sure you go out and get a, a healthcare, uh, appoint a healthcare uh, agent. You can go. Uh, there, there is a, a wonderful. In fact, I'm working w- with the gentleman. Uh, we're trying to get this out to people. It's called MyLifeAngels.com. You can go to that website. And you can, that, that's one one um, that's one place where you can find these types of documents. It's also Patients Rights Council. Uh, they also have these types of documents, these healthcare uh, double power attorneys to assign a healthcare agent. I just want to say real quick, I, I, I don't want to. Um, there's a lot of great doctors and nurses out there, and we deal with them all the time. I, I don't want to just kind of brush broad bank, like uh, broad right. brush and. 
and and just indict you know all the all the doctors and nurses out there. I mean, there's so many wonder, and there's even some wonderful facilities that are still doing the right thing and, and respecting life and life-affirming care and the dignity of the person. But it seems to me, and I think you'll agree, this kind of the growing trend or the moving trend or is, is in, a, in, a, in a very dark and very, um, uh, you know, worsening type of situations when it comes to health care. Uh, but but I, don't, I don't want to people to believe that there's not some really good. And, and it's important to make sure you have one, right? Make sure you have a, a pro-life doctor. Make sure you have a doctor you can trust that's going to do the right thing and care for you. I mean, that's just as important as anything we're talking about tonight is to make sure you can trust your doctor and you know that they're going to give you the care that you want. Right. Well, and that's that knowledge is power in doing your research before you're in a situation where you right. have to have it. And I think that's, that's what's important, right. and that's – the websites, you know, the links, like, you know, your website um, and mylifeangels.com, halovoice.org. I mean, there are websites that you can go to where you get information and you don't just believe what you're told in the medical industry. And there, and there are some good – I have a good doctor. I, I'm very happy with my doctor. But if you're not looking for that and investigating what does your doctor believe in and does your doctor know how you feel – about the sanctity of life, and does he honor that? And I think those no, are right. important things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hale is a good organization as well that you mentioned. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you don't do these things before it happens, it's too late, right? I mean, now's the time. I mean, you got, you got, you got to get things in, in, in order because if you are in a situation, I mean, I mean, nobody knows when, when something can happen. I mean, our family didn't know. Terry was one day, she was fine. Next, the next day, you know, we're confronted with with what we were confronted with. We had no idea that was going to happen. And, and that's how these things happen. I mean, we're, we're, we're caught off guard. So it's now's the time to make sure you prepare yourself. You, you have a good doctor. You have your documents in place, your health care agent in place. So if you are in that situation, you're going to be ready to, to, to handle it. Right. And that's imperative that people do the research now. Mm-hmm. So. And I think it's good that, you know, lifeandhope.com, you know, I was looking at your website, and you have a lot of information out there too, resources, and, you know, the blogs and your articles um, that you post. I think the one that you just put out yesterday, half, half the time doctors say patients are in a vegetative state and they're actually wrong. And that goes back to, you know, when they talk about someone being brain dead, are they really or is this a harvesting body parts solution? And you don't yeah, well, know, but missing. you shouldn't trust that because a brain takes a long time to heal. You can't just expect somebody to get over, you know, if they did have a concussion or a brain injury or, a, you know, a bad fall, it's going to take time for the brain to heal, and you need to give that person that time. You're 100% correct, and, and that's the problem today. These, these decisions are made, you know, sometimes days, even hours, Marsha. It's, 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 it's insane how quickly sometimes decisions are made to stop treatment after a brain injury. Uh, the brain does need time to see if it can respond and recover to therapy or rehabilitation. And, and the article I wrote about specifically about the persistent vegetative state diagnosis and, and how it can be wrong up to 50% of the time. It's a completely subjective diagnosis up to the examining physician. And here's the problem. The PBS can be legally used to end a person's life. So imagine using a diagnosis that can be wrong almost half the time, but yet they're using it to end the person's life. And that that's what I look at these things that are happening. It's like why... Why is why is nobody doing anything to change or stop this from happening? To to, to think that we're using a diagnosis that's ha- that's wrong half the time. It, it was it was a diagnosis that was used to kill Terry. That, you know, if she was in a PBS, okay, it's okay to kill her. If she wasn't a PBS, then you can't kill her, legally speaking. And it's happening every day. Uh, you know, I really but, and you know the why. Me. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I understand that's a rhetorical. It's everything we're talking about, the why. That's the right. Harassment, that's right. Cost containment. It's 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 all the it's all the 
the reasons that, that, that we're mentioning here tonight, I, go, I would really urge you to go to lifenews.com and read the article because you really, people really need to educate themselves, again, what, what kind of what's happening in healthcare today. And we're just not, we take for granted maybe we're going to get the care we want and the treatment. And I don't think we can be, we should feel like we're guaranteed we're going to, especially if, depending on the type of insurance that we have. I mean, if, anyway, we will, I don't know if there's enough time to get into all that, but, but nonetheless, it's just, there are a lot of things that we need to know about so we can prevent these things from happening to us or a family member. Right, and I think that's what, you know, that is imperative that people go and check that out. So, and it is a good article, and it's, you know, it's a quick read, um, but it's got some good information in it. They also uh, used to do, or still do, an apnea test, which stops mm-hmm. the oxygen to the brain for a period of time, and then they can convince the family, see, there are no brain waves. Your loved one is gone. We need to let them go. And did you sign the organ um, donation documentation? Can we go ahead and do that for right. us? And, and you know what it's about. And people stand outside cheering because this person saved the life of five people. Well, the person is not dead when you take their body organs. And people need to understand that the person is alive when you take their body parts. So that's right. That's just yeah, important yeah. to acknowledge when you're making that decision for someone else what you're actually saying because you don't take it from a cadaver. We, we, so there we is a reason stop. for them. Go ahead. Yeah. No, we we have to stop educating ourselves by the mainstream media. One of the biggest mistakes we're making, and, and if people don't know by now and aren't, haven't learned by now how corrupt the media is when it comes to some of these issues, then 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 we're then we're and then we're putting ourselves at risk of being educated by things that are inaccurate and, and out and out lies. So it's really up to ourselves to, to go to proper places to get to get informed and properly and correctly understand the issue that you know someday could something that we could have to you know, deal with. Lack of a better way of saying it. So um, you know, stay away from the media and go to trusted resources to, to understand these, these very serious, complicated, and could be life or death type of uh, um, situations. Absolutely. So um, I know we were short tonight, but um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about and go over quickly or – well, no, I think I think we covered a lot in a short period of time. I, I know it's a lot to digest, but I'd be happy to come on again and at any time and 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 and, and speak with with you. I I really enjoy, and, and thank you for the work that you're doing, Marsha, and everybody out there listening. I mean, it's important that we that we all kind of work together and and help each other and advocate for life and uh, and shows like yours right. that, that help do that. So so thank you. Well, it's. It's honoring the sanctity of life, and, you know, mm-hmm. when we look at people, we look at Terry, and we look at, you know, all of our loved ones that have been murdered under what circumstances they deserved better, and I think that's what we need to keep in mind is one day all of us are going to be in that situation, so protect, do yeah. your homework, and whoever you have on your medical power of attorney needs to be somebody who doesn't wish you to be gone. It needs to be somebody you trust. They understand what you want, and they will follow through, and they will stand strong. That's right. So, and and they, they can't they can't be wishy washy. They they have to be ready to, um, you know, fight for your life if if they, if they have to. Right. I've got um, a question here. Do you have time for a question or no? Yeah, I have time for a question. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, caller 773, you're live and on the air. Uh, good evening, Marsha. This is Aldona. Uh, I would like to add that you were the first person that you contacted me when my mom was murdered under guardianship in 2020. Uh, so thank you kindly. You took a pain from me when you responded because we try a lot of sources and nobody was responding like deaf people and you was you were the only one who responded to me so it, it took it, it mean a lot to me uh, well, good. When, it come, 
yes, yes. And then uh, I lost your uh, show for, for a little while, uh, being in stress, and uh, now I found it back. Uh, what I would like to add it to the people under uh, that the brain is dead, how they how doctors are treating. Being from Poland, uh, in Poland there is a clinic called uh, Budzik, it means clock, and they're keeping people as long as possible till they wake up. And they have a, um, I mean, it's worth it for them to keep people alive and waited even one year. Why in the United States they don't do it? Uh, if someone is a brain dead or got some kind of issue, uh, people need the time to recover, and in this country, they're not allowing people to recover. They're just lying to everybody. Your loved one is dead. It will not cover. It's a vegetable, and uh, people make hard decision uh, to turn off the plug. Yes, and, and, they, and they get rid of them. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And yes. we need to stop that, and that's, you know, what, you know, what we're – having the discussion about is it needs to be stopped. So um, thank you thank you for calling in, and um, I'm glad thank that you. we were able to talk and, and, and help you. So continue to stay in contact, Aldona. Okay? Yes, I will. Thank you very much. Thank you. Com- okay, continue your call. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you for calling in. Okay, Bobby. Um, so I know you needed to you go so i'm gonna um go ahead and thank you so much for coming on and um i'm gonna give some resources after i let you go ahead and and get off the line but thank you for coming in and talking to our listeners i really appreciate it and we should do this again well it's my pleasure and and anytime marcia And, and again thank you for having me and thank you for the work you're doing and uh um yeah i would be happy to come on again anytime thank you Okay, absolutely. Thank you, Bobby. I appreciate you coming on. Okay, have a good evening. Okay, God bless you too. Okay. Um, So I wanted to, um, a couple of resources um, for the people. The one resource we were talking about, lifeandhope.com, which is the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. And they have a phone number, 855-300-466. Seven three. If you'd like to contact them, um, another resource that I have, Michelle Young Dewars, who is a former respiratory therapist turned warrior, authored a book, "Killing for Profit: The Dark Side of Hospice," and it gives an inside story of what is going on in hospice. And when we were talking today, when Bobby was talking about withdrawing food and water, which is considered now a medical thing that they're doing for people. It's not medical. It's sanctity of life, water and food. Those are two things you have to have, nutrition. And in hospice, they are taking that away from people by giving them drugs so that they can't eat or drink. And it's wrong. It's murder. Halovoice.org is an excellent resource to give you information. They also have a helpline, 888-221-4256. And they're very helpful. Um, They also have a medical power of attorney that you can use to have somebody appointed to take care of you and to follow what your wishes are. LifeLegalDefenseFoundation.org has access to pro-life attorneys in most states. You could contact them. And Murdered by Hospice is a Facebook group. Facebook group that is an excellent resource for people who need a safe place to go to. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had Patty Myers on. Makingakilling.com is a documentary that they're putting out. They have a new documentary that is coming out. It would be part two. Protocolkills.com, which is another resource with information information to protect yourself. So those are some resources. There are places out there. You just need to do your research. You need to look. Some of these, if you go to these, then you can ask the question. It will lead you to others. You go into a rabbit hole often, but that is to get you education. I think that's really important. 
Last Wednesday, we had a special memorial for Marty Oakley, and a lot of people had called in and wanted to speak on behalf of Marty and express their condolences. If any of the callers that are on right now want to raise your hand, select one, I can bring you on if you have something you wanted to say about Marty and you missed your opportunity last Wednesday. I would open the floor for that now. Um, Also, if you have questions that you want to ask, then I would would take your questions now. We had a shorter than normal um, time tonight planned, so we do have a few minutes if anybody has anything to say. If not, I would just keep talking and drive you crazy. Okay, so brain death, I just want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I have a caller in. Hold on one moment. Okay, 540, you're live and on the air. Five four zero. You're live and on the air. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yes. Oh, okay. How are you? Um, I had a comment. How are you doing? Okay. Oh, good. Um, It was about Bobby's article that I read um, that you were referring to today, Um, and I didn't know this, and maybe other people don't either, but I learned that when you're diagnosed with that, your insurance is canceled. I mean, that's a death sentence right there. I mean, for those, for people, families who would like to continue care and can't afford it, you know, they have no options. That's horrible. I mean, that's just so cruel and unjust. Well, that's true. And if you're on Medicare or Medicaid and they say they won't pay it and your own insurance has canceled you, what do you do? I mean, what are your choices? Who has that kind of money if somebody's saying that you're in a vegetative state? And exactly. I don't know if you re- if you remember, but we had, um, I believe, Jeannie Hammond on two years ago, and she was, 28, had two young children, had a grand mal seizure, was in the hospital, and they had determined that she was brain dead. And she could hear the doctors talking, and she could hear the nurses coming in. And one nurse was really nice to her and would say, you know, how are you doing today? And let me fluff your pillow. And then she had one of the nurses that she never spoke, and she could always hear by her footsteps. And she heard her one day walk in she knew it was her by the footsteps and she heard her calling back will somebody come help me move this thing Mm. and she realized they were talking about her to you know adjust her and she remembers thinking what do you why are you calling me a thing and she actually heard the doctor frustrated because her husband would not agree to let them take her body parts and she was thinking i'm alive you know don't take them she came out of the coma. It took her you know, about a month or more, maybe five weeks, before she came out, and she decided she wanted to be a nurse after that. And she was on my program. She was 50-some yeah. years old. It was on my program you know, a couple of years ago. So the brain takes a long time to heal. And if you're absolutely right, if you don't give it that time, then you're going to die. Well, how, that's how is that right? I mean, I've I've read many stories of people apparently brain dead or in a coma or vegetative state. They hear exact, you know, they hear everything that's going on. So how are you brain dead? You know, right. Um, and I think a lot of us may have known someone who was diagnosed as brain dead. I worked with a girl and her friend. She was uh, my coworker was in her twenties, so I, I assume her friend was about the same age who I believe she had a car accident brain dead and her mother you know she was squeezing her mother's hand you know she was trying to communicate of course she couldn't talk and her mother said no she's not you know of course they wanted to you know her to sign away her organs and give up and take her off of whatever was supporting her her life and she recovered um, I read stories like this so often, and my brother had a brain injury after a car wreck, 
and he was in the hospital several months. He was um, transferred to a rehab. So he was in facilities for a year. With it, he had a traumatic brain injury. I mean, you all are correct that it's a while, you know, for the brain to heal. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you just, and as as you all had stated, I mean, the doctors now, you know, a couple of days, a week or two, and they want to stop treatment. And a lot of times they do with the 10-day rule and the 14-day rule up in here in Virginia. I think it's a 14-day um, that they can stop treatment, you know, if you're considered brain dead. And it's just horrible, you know, they're killing people. I mean, insurance and, and this assurance companies, too, they don't want to pay for, you know, extended treatment, long-term care. No. No, and you know how much body parts are, you know, your organs, and how many, and and the sad thing, your brother was a young man when this happened, and they would have taken, you know, organs, if they say that, you know, that your your brain is not functioning, you know, you've got, you know, heart, eyes, liver, lungs, kidneys, you know, uh, skin, I mean, there's so many things, and it's it's all about money, Liz, and that's what's just so shocking to me is that money is more important than human life, and that's where we are. Well, it's it's the patient as patients, we are considered a prey now. That's the way I feel. You know, they're going to prey on us to, you know not want to care for us to extract our organs and it's just it's horrible it's a nightmare world we're living in and people had better wake up and they better find out their rights before they go into a hospital or their loved ones do and like bobby said you better be ready to fight for your loved one's life because you're gonna you know if they're seriously injured or have a you know, a critical diagnosis or whatever the case is, you're going to have to, and, 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 you know, like with my husband, you know, of course we were all lied to and they're going to lie to you. And um, even though, you know, I, I knew in the situation that I had the right to refuse and I did for him because he was, you know, so medicated, he was out of it. I did refuse. And, but, you know, that is our right. However, behind your back, you know, they're going to keep giving it and they're going to give things that you don't know they're giving to them until they're dead and you get the medical records. So, I mean, I've heard people say, ask for the medical records, you know, while, you know, you're with your loved one to see what they're doing. But um, while they're still, while they're still alive, yeah, get the medical records and, I had an idea that was an option. Of course, I trusted, and most people do. Um, But we can't anymore. Like I say, I just, I feel like we're all being preyed upon when we go to the doctors, we get to a hospital or a facility. And like Bobby said, there are good doctors and nurses, and I agree with that. But we just have to protect ourselves. We're just, you really have to be on guard and watch, you know, and I just, I don't know how we're going to change this. I think by warning people and by telling people, you know, what's going on out there um, is the only way to protect ourselves. I think you're right. I think you're right. You you have to Mm -hmm. stop it before it starts. And I think, you know, like Aldona, who called in while ago, was saying, that in Poland, they give people time to recover, you know, for their bodies to heal. And in the U.S., we don't do in Canada and Australia, I mean, in other countries, they don't do that because it costs money, and that's what they're looking at. They're looking at how much money is it going to cost for this person to remain alive. And that is why hospice is called in so frequently because, they can get the person in, enroll the person for almost any reason now, and then they can stop their medication, start giving them morphine, 
Adivan, Haldol, Seroquel. I think your husband was given, I think Tony was given Haldol, right? Um, he was given and, morphine, Adivan, and Haldol. Yeah. Okay. He, yeah, my mom was given morphine, Adivan, and fentanyl. And they go into a coma, so they're not eating and drinking. They've stopped their medication, and they're going to die. And they know that's what's going to happen, and that is what the plan is. They never intended to let Alan get healthy. They never intended for my mom to get better. They intend to end their life. Correct. And it's, you know, it's a plan. Well, it is because um, one thing I found out, too, is that they um, applied the medical records in many ways, but one way they... um, said that he was uh, admitted with uncontrollable uh, pain and agitation, which wasn't true. So, therefore, I guess that would justify them giving him the Haldol, which he didn't need, and the morphine, um, you know. And, of course, you know the the combination is deadly. Um, Right. But, of course, they, they had to have planned that. I mean, maybe it was because, too, that they got a higher rate of pay for him being in the facility and, you know, having those made-up symptoms he didn't have. He was only there temporarily, so. Well, but if you're in the hospital and they wouldn't let you see him and he was asking for you and they won't let him, they would not let you come back there. So how agitated would you be? I mean, I'm going to get agitated. And now even going to the hospital terrifies me. I don't want to go to the hospital because I don't trust them. And if I was in there, I would be agitated. I would be nervous. My blood pressure would probably go up. And that gives them every excuse in the world to start giving you something just to calm you down. That's all we're trying to do is calm you down. And they talk to you like we're idiots, and they're so smarmy when they talk. You don't want your mama to die, do you, sweetie? And they know you don't. They are taught how to manipulate us. And we fall victim because we do not know any better. And that's why our loved ones die, because we allow somebody in, a.k.a. hospice, and then we listen to what they say, and they convince us that they are right and that our loved one needs to take this or to take that or that we don't need to give them anything to eat because they'll aspirate or you can't give them anything to I mean, they manipulate every single turn, every question you ask, every time you would say anything, um, you know, asking questions about Alan or asking for explanations. They've seen it all. We don't say or ask anything that they haven't heard before, and they know exactly what to say to us. There's a they've, book on it. They've got their script down pat. Yes. Exactly. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done it day in and day out. And mm-hmm. for those of us, for the listeners out there and, you know, for, for Liz and myself, we haven't been through this before. And so you're totally shocked to see what's happening to your loved one. You're sleep-deprived. You don't understand what's happening. You don't know how to do the research, and you're completely, completely caught off guard. That's why we say knowledge is power. Do your research before you get into this situation. Well, yeah, we're, we're in a vulnerable state. You know, you're worried about your loved one. You know, are they going to die? You're told they're going to die, and you're scared, and you're grief-stricken and shell-shocked or whatever, you know, from the whole experience. And then people say this, well, you know, we need to give them more medication. And I'm like, no. Even though I refused, they wanted to give it to them every two hours. It was just way too much, way too much. And then doubling. And what happens at night? And what happens Mm -hmm. at night if you're not there with your loved one? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, bad things happen. My husband fell, supposedly fell. Right. I mean, he was so drugged up. He was asleep when I left. An hour and a half later, how did he wake up and get out of the bed? He was just like out cold from all those drugs. Right. 
But um, and he had bruises on his back and his eye. So did he fall? How many times did he fall? Um, and was he trying to get out because he was afraid? He and, was afraid. And that's why. And, and I don't say this to terrify people, but I say this to scare you. I mean, I say this if if your loved one is in the hospital and you suspect or, you know, they're not going to be completely alert and able to make decisions or say, no, what, you know, what are you giving me now? Then somebody needs to stay in the hospital with them. And, and I get how inconvenient that would be, but if you leave them, you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, at nighttime, you know, like your husband trying to get up and walk around and, and he fell and he hurt himself, it could have been much, much worse. You know, I mean, they could fall and hit his head and, and not, not have woken up. I mean, the outcome would have been ultimately the same as what they did to him. But if you're not on guard and watching everything and making sure they know, I am watching everything you do. What are you giving him? Let me see the medical records. What medications are these? And you research those medications because they will, t- you know, like if they told you Roxanol, would you know that was morphine before all of this happened? You know, you wouldn't know that. Right. So now yeah. if something like this happens, what would you do? What would you do differently today? And what would I do? Yeah, what would you, you do differently okay. today? Well, had I known that morphine and Ativan were deadly, he would have never been on them. Never, ever would I have allowed that. Um, I didn't know they were giving him Haldol. I had refused it. They had already been giving it to him. And after I refused it, they continued. So you don't know what they're putting in that dropper in their mouth. Absolutely not. I was going to take him out of there. I was so angry. And I was talked out of it. I wish I had. Of course, um, I'm taking him out of there. When I, I just went, as soon as I got there, I just got a bad feeling. And then, you know, like I say, you know, they're trying to give him medicine every two hours while he was asleep. Why, why do you want to do that? Oh, we want to stay ahead, right. you know. Oh, no. Oh, no. He can't wake up. You're not giving him anything. Um, but they kept trying to push it and push it and push it, kept telling me he was dying. They're lying. They're lying. The thing I would do was, would be to keep him home. And then that way I could control what he got and when he got it. And absolutely, exactly. you are absolutely correct. Do not ever leave a loved one in a facility because you would not believe what they gave him after the fall, dose after dose after dose of morphine, mm-hmm. Ativan, and Haldol. Until in the medical records, yes. you, you saw that when you got the medical records, you mm-hmm. saw the all the times and how close together and how much they were giving him. Medical yes, records are so important. Absolutely, you get the medical records if you, you can't take your loved one out of a hospital or whatever facility when they're doing them. Um, and watch and say, no, you have a right. You're speaking for your loved one um, to refuse anything. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would not go into a hospice facility. You know, that's what I would do different and absolutely research what they're giving them. If you're in, in a hospital and they're giving them something, you look it up. Don't take their word for it. Look it up and find out, you exactly. know, the side effects and you know, what it shouldn't be taken with. Um, and then if you're not comfortable with that, you say no and you ask for something else. You can do that right. with hospice. If, if somebody, if you do use hospice, you can do that. No, I'm not, not comfortable with that. And, you know, why why do you want to give him morphine when, you know. You, when he's asleep a, or he's not in pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And you can always revoke hospice. And you mm-hmm. can always get your loved one out of the hospital. Yes. Against medical advice. medical advice. Against uh, right AMA. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but so, well, yeah, thank you so much for calling in, Liz, and um, for the listeners for listening to us and being patient. 
So hopefully you've garnered some information. And next week we are back with Judy Cornish, and we will be talking about dementia. So that will be on the 19th of April. So until then, we will see you next Wednesday. We won't see you, but we'll talk to you and hear from you. So thank you, Liz, for calling in. Aldona, thank you. And Kaz, thank you for standing by. And Debbie. All right. Good night, everyone. And until next week, have a wonderful week. Good night. Good night.